Welcome to the Sailorville Women's Podcast. This is a special episode where we are sharing the story of Joanna Rice. Joanna and her husband, Mark, are walking through a season of suffering right now. Joanna shared their story with the women who came to meet me for worship, and we want to share it with you. We pray that you are encouraged by Joanna's transparency and testimony as she shares about God's faithfulness to her, Mark, and their family. Hi, everybody. A lot of you may know me, and some of you may not, but my name is Joanna Rice, and we have been at Sailorville for 20 years, but I have a story that I want to share with you. Have you ever started reading a book, and before you were even halfway through it, you knew that this was a book that you needed to share with other people because the ending was going to be amazing? You don't know anything about what else is coming. You don't know any of the plot twists that are coming. You don't know any of the other details. You just got so sucked into the story that you knew it was going to be fantastic and you had to tell other people. That's kind of what our journey has been. So let me back up and start at the beginning. In June of 2019, my husband Mark was dealing with yet another kidney stone attack. This was something that he had dealt with about every six months. But he's never been the kind of a guy that runs to the doctor. So we had battled them at home successfully every single time up until this one. This time, it changed. His symptoms changed. He wasn't getting the stone to pass. And so finally, we went ahead and we went into urgent care. And that was the day that we found out he had, can he had cancer. He was diagnosed with kidney cancer, and just 10 days later, he was under the knife because it had grown huge, and they had to get it out right away. That's not typical of his type of cancer, and it's definitely not typical for it to show up in somebody that's still in their 30s. But that's where we were. There's a lot more to that story, but I don't have time to do all of that tonight. So after surgery, everything went as good as it possibly could have. The surgeon was super happy, super thrilled with how everything went, and he was like, I am like 99 and as high as I can to, to be just under 100% sure that we got everything. And within just a couple of months, he was declared cancer-free. So everything looked fantastic. We would just continue to monitor his chest and his abdomen because that's, you know, kidney cancer. It usually kind of stays in the area, so that's what we'll watch. Fast forward, June of 2022. There's now a spot on his pancreas that the doctors are concerned about, so they want to watch it. We try to get a piece of it, but the biopsy is inconclusive. While they were trying to get that biopsy, they found a second spot on his pancreas. So we go through many months of waiting and watching to see what is going on here. We finally end up with a referral to go to Iowa City because we're not getting the answers that we're looking for, and it's concerning. So we get referred out to Iowa City in October, and they agree it's concerning, we want to know what this is, but it's too small for us to try to get a piece of it because the pancreas is like super awkward to try to get a piece of, so we're gonna continue to wait. Okay, so we're gonna wait for about six months and then we'll get a scan and we'll go from there. Or so we thought. 
Just a couple of weeks after our trip out to Iowa City, Mark started complaining of a headache that just would not go away. We tried all of the normal things. We tried a lot of abnormal things because we wanted this headache to go away. And I mentioned he's not the kind of a guy that likes to run to a doctor. So we battled it and we battled it and we battled it for two months. He was overdosing Tylenol, trying to get even just a little bit of relief and it just wasn't happening. So it's now December of 2022 and he's taking so much Tylenol that his liver is actually being affected. So it wasn't touching the pain and I looked at him and I said, honey, the oncologist said if anything changes, we need to call him. This is kind of a big change, I'm calling. So I called the oncologist and he was also concerned. So he ordered an MRI. And just a couple of days later, we had that MRI and discovered he has cancer in his brain. Not something that you ever want to hear, but that's where we were at. We were given some meds to help relieve the symptoms and plans were being made for what the next steps would be. Over the next couple of weeks, we prepared for Christmas and brain surgery at the same time. On January 3rd of this year, Mark went under the knife again, and we learned that this cancer in his brain was indeed the same cancer that had started in his kidney. That means he has stage four kidney cancer with a metastasis to his brain, which never looks good. Any brain metastasis doesn't look good. So here we are, he's 42, with a cancer he shouldn't have had, with a metastasis he shouldn't have had if he was following the rules of his cancer. That's not what we had planned for our family. But that was still just the beginning of our year. Mark's cancer is kind of unique. It does not typically respond to the other traditional types of treatment. The best possible treatment for his type of cancer is surgery. We did that. We did the surgery, we cut it out, so we're good, right? Well, when we tried to wean off the meds, all of his symptoms came raging back, like we had done nothing. Why? Is there more swelling? What is going on? We got the cancer. Like, we can see there's a hole in his brain where the cancer was. Like, it, it's gone. So they did radiation to the cancer bed in his brain. Oh, all right. Let's, let's do the next things just in case. Try to clean anything up that might be left there. Stay on the meds, see what's happening. We'll try to wean again. So we're trying to wean again, but to no avail. The symptoms come flooding back again. And that's when they discovered a second inoperable tumor in front of his brainstem that is pressing on his trigeminal nerve. That's causing all of these raging pains that he's having. He's got crazy different symptoms, pain and burning and numbness, and he can't taste and feels like his face has got Novocaine all the time. Like there's lots of symptoms that are coming with this. But that's ultimately what it was, is it was this other tumor that they didn't see initially. So he was miserable. 
We were desperately seeking for some kind of relief and they're throwing any different med that they can think of and nothing is working. Finally, they find one that will break through the blood-brain barrier, but it's really strong and he has to take a lot of it to stay out of pain. But his pain is being managed through that. He's gone through a second round of radiation on the brain stem. They decided to do that one when they discovered that in one month's time, that tumor had grown the amount that his type of cancer would typically grow in a year. So now we're once again trying to wean off those meds and we're actually seeing some success this time. Throughout this year, we have had at least one and usually multiple doctor's appointments of some kind every single week until the week leading up to Easter. That week, God gave us a break. And that break was such a blessing to our family. We needed some rest. We needed to just have some peace as we went into that week focusing on our Savior and the sacrifice that he made for us. So those few days of normalcy was such a huge blessing. <clears throat> Mark is still experiencing a lot of side effects from the plethora of meds that his body is dealing with, with the treatments that his body has endured over the last few months. Some of those side effects are as simple as having to pee a lot. But some are really, really hard. Like signs of early dementia type symptoms where he doesn't remember things. And he is easily triggered and can get real angry real fast. He's still dealing with pain and pressure in his head, even with the meds. And he wears out so very fast. For a guy who does all the things all the time, he's constantly running and working, and he just can't. It's so hard to watch him struggle just to get up and go get a cup of coffee. Just a few days ago, we spent the entire day in the ER because he was struggling to take a full breath. And he's got this persistent choking sensation. The ER ran a bunch of tests because they were concerned that maybe there was a blood clot or another tumor or something, but their focus was on the blood clot. They didn't find anything, they ruled that out, and they sent us home, but with no relief. They didn't have anything to give him so that he can breathe, so he can take a full breath and not feel like he's suffocating. Is this more side effects? We don't know. There will be more appointments in the days ahead to see if the treatments thus far have even done anything and to see if there's more going on with the choking and the breathing. Just the sheer number of appointments we have gone through is exhausting, let alone everything else that comes along with those appointments. 
So I started sharing by telling you that our journey is like a book that you recommend to everyone, right? So let me explain that, because this does not sound like something I would want all of you to experience. All good stories have plot twists. All of them, every single one has a, a good story will have some kind of a plot twist. There's a turn that you didn't see coming. And a good author works through all those details to bring about an amazing story that ends with a resolution and satisfaction to the reader. One amazing way that God is doing that in our story now is through his people. Last summer, when this whole journey started with finding the spots in his pancreas, a friend sent me a link to an Elizabeth Elliot podcast, and it spoke so deeply to where I was at. The emotions, the pain, the confusion, the frustration of not having any kind of answers. It spoke so deeply that I then binged Elizabeth Elliot all summer. If you have not done that, do it because, oh my word. I have never been so sucker punched by an old dead woman and was glad about it. So, amazing. Listen to Elizabeth Elliot. But God has used her mightily in my heart, and I thank him all the time for her life and her legacy, and that she continues to speak into people even after her life has ended. Our family is surrounded by the most amazing support. Our community group is amazing. Our homeschool community is amazing. Our church family, Mark's Motorcycle Club, our extended family, our friends. God is using people that I don't even know to reach out to our family. I get texts from people saying, hey, we're praying for you. And I'm like, thank you so much. Who are you? Because I don't know. I've gotten texts from people in North Carolina and Wisconsin and like just all over the place saying, hey, we're praying. We heard about what's going on and we're praying for you. As you can imagine, this journey isn't just hard on me as a wife. It's also very hard as a mom. My parents are alive and healthy. I don't know what it's like to be a child and to watch your parents suffer through a stage four cancer journey. But that's what our kids are doing and I am called to help them through that. I don't know how to do that but our kids are watching how we are handling all of this. And they're trying to figure it out on how they're gonna process it as well. One fun plot twist, because I can't see through my contacts and tears. So, here's a fun plot twist, okay? It started, ooh, it started five days before brain surgery. That's when something changed at our house. My kids have prayed for years. I hear laughs because you know what it is. Some of you do anyway. My kids have prayed for years for a pet. Years. I've never wanted one. Never. But I knew how it was important, how important it was to my kids. And so I told them I would make it a matter of prayer, and I did. And I prayed that they would be content without a pet. 
I mean, that, that's a godly thing to do, right? Because we need contentment. Well, God was working on my heart. Surprise! And we decided to get a guinea pig. Because, you know, it's small steps, guys, small steps. But guinea pigs do better when they have a buddy. So we went back and we bought his brother as well. They were litter mates. They were already like, fine, it's fine. So now we've got these two brothers. Until one of them got pregnant. <laughs> Not kidding. April 1st, uh-huh, April 1st, April Fool's Day, we went from two guinea pigs to six. What I didn't know is that God was going to use something as simple as guinea pigs to help my children deal with hard, deep hurt. Not only have these guinea pigs been so much fun, and I have enjoyed them a lot more than I thought that I would, but yesterday, all of the babies left our home, and they went to new homes which has been wonderful, and it was time because they were all boys. So they needed to leave before we had a repeat. But that was really hard for the kids because they loved playing with those babies. And our six-year-old had laid out a whole thing of, okay, but if there's just one girl, because we got, we got the one boy fixed, so if there's one girl, then we can keep that one, right? And then we can each have our own guinea pig. They were all boys. So he was crushed. But then getting rid of all of them was so hard on my daughter. She's sitting in my lap the night before they all left, bawling, not knowing what to do, and just crying out, Mommy, why? Why? Do we have to go through things that are so hard? Why? I don't know. I don't know fully. Because I'm asking God that same question. Why do we have to go through things that are so hard? This journey is not something I would have chosen for myself. However, being here in the midst of it, I would not choose to not be here because this is the journey that God has for me. And I would rather be in the middle of hard circumstances and be in the middle of his will than to have not experienced any of it. <laughs> His ways are perfect. He knows exactly what circumstances were needed to draw me deeper to him and to rely only on him. What did it take for my heart to get to that place? It wasn't all of the hard that came before this journey because there's been a lot of hard in my life. No, my soul needed this journey. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Just before that verse, 
It's talking about the sanctification process. God brings his children through sanctification. Sanctification is the action or process of being freed from your sin and being purified. God declared me holy at my salvation, and now he is actively freeing me from my own sinful tendencies to fully purify my heart, to be wholly devoted to him. And what follower of Jesus wouldn't want that? I don't know how this part of the story is gonna end. Will God choose to heal my husband and eradicate the cancer and restore his health? I don't know. Is God asking me to walk down the road of widowhood? I don't know. It's a very likely possibility, but I just don't know. What I do know is this. The author of my story is good. He is faithful and he is never cruel. So whatever the rest of this journey entails, it's exactly what I need in order to draw closer to him and to glorify him in the process. And because I know this, I can confidently choose to follow wherever this journey is going. At any cost, because he is faithful. Psalm 27, 13 says, Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am in the land of the living. It doesn't matter where this story goes. God is good. And I see it. I see it while I am here. And I'm going to see it even more when I get there. I don't know what the next chapters look like. But I do know the author, and I trust him, and he is writing something amazing in this story. And if you don't know this author, I want to introduce you and have him autograph your own story. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Join us next time as we make it our aim to see more women become more like Jesus. Jesus.